Welcome to another episode of the Chill by Net podcast. This podcast is created for those who are passionate about their personal development, health, and well-being. This is a platform for you to come chill by my personal stories and weekly tips in becoming a better version of ourselves and to live a better present. But first, let's chill. My name is Jeanette. Welcome back. So in the last episode, I shared about how I've come to reconceptualize or redefine the sense of self by introducing a deeper part of the self that we all have within us. And in this episode, I will share how recognizing and being with that part of myself can serve as a very powerful force which can help us navigate through our stresses and serve as a crucial part to our well-being. So as humans, we are often caught up in our thoughts, right? We all can relate to that. And you know how I am someone like many others who has excessive amount of negative thoughts, right? And perhaps last time when there was no awareness, I just get caught in the thoughts myself and the thoughts really just define my actions. I get into this reactivity state, completely zero awareness of you know, my actions and what is going through my mind, right? And we identify so strongly with certain things, certain thoughts, as if they are just part of us, right? They define who we are. Or we can identify really strongly with other things like our job, our physical appearance, or maybe our intellectual capacity, right? For maybe some really, really intelligent people is their ability to know a lot of knowledge, right? Or maybe for some creative people, it's the ability to create. Maybe for a comedian, it's the ability to crack jokes on stage, right? So we all aim to cling onto something. Oftentimes, these are the things that makes us stand out from others. These are the things that strengthens our self-identity because we are so wired as humans to want to have a sense of self. We want to feel a sense of significance in this world that often makes us feel so insignificant. In more individualistic cultures, maybe this need to strengthen the self-identity is higher as compared to more collectivistic culture where group harmony and you know conformity is more valued. Okay, but back to the topic, right? We all aim to cling onto something to define our sense of self. And usually these are the things that we tend to do well and we do better than others. And if we come to identify ourselves as just that thing, and if we only know ourselves at the first level, which I've talked about, then if someone were to go against or fight or insult that very thing that we identify with, it can be our thought process, it can be our job, it can be our values, our needs, the way we think, right? Then... It can, from our perspective, if we only know ourselves at the first level, it can feel like they are going against us as a person because we are just so identified with the very thing that we cling ourselves to. So that's why, right, if we come to see that we are more than our mental processes, we are more than our words that we speak, we are more than our jobs, our values, our personality, then in a sense, right, all these things are just our outer shell, but there's an inner being within us that is separated from 
our outer shell. And only if we come to sense this, we are then able to form a more healthy response, right? When people are insulting our viewpoint, we see that they are going against the viewpoint, but they are not going against who we are as a person. They are not going against our state of being. And I think this is just one of the things that is helpful if we come to realize this deeper sense of self, this deeper dimension of being. And on the contrary, if we do not come to sense this deeper dimension of who we are, which is this state of being, then that is where we are more susceptible to completely identify with a certain external thing, right? Be it ideology or mental positioning, we tend to cling onto them so tightly that when they are being threatened, be it if we suddenly lose it or someone take it away from us, or if someone challenges that very thing that we attach ourselves to, then we lose our sense of self. Or some people, they really identify a lot with a certain political viewpoint, right? It doesn't have to be political, just any other viewpoint. But if a person comes to you and tells you that your viewpoint is totally wrong, right? How you react to that person has a lot to do with how you come to conceptualize your sense of self. You know, if you only see yourself at level one, which is I am my views, right? Of course, you might not have the awareness that you're equating yourself to your view, but you actually only can see your sense of self as defined by your viewpoints and your thoughts, then it's very, very likely that we tend to get upset, we tend to get very reactive. Our emotional response will be so much more as compared to if we come to see that a political viewpoint or whatever it is, our stance, our thoughts, is just the very outer shell of who we are, right? So there's that deeper self that we need to come to see, which does not replace the self that we have conceptualized it to be, right? But it's that inner self that can choose, okay, what viewpoint we want to attach to ourselves, what personality we want to um, adopt, right? But that inner state, which I talked about, right, remains the core part of us. Then the second thing is, right, when we notice this state of being in ourselves, we are able to then notice this same state of being in another person as well. Well, the other person might not be perhaps as aware as you, right? Maybe they are just not really in touch with their inner state of being yet, but you know that if you are experiencing this inner state of being that is just pure awareness, then everybody around you also has the same state of being because we are humans. And humans are called human beings for a reason, right? But we are not really human beings before we actually discover this state of being in us. If you're able to see it in yourself, you're able to see it in another person, and you're able to see, which I felt was really helpful for me, I was able to then connect with another person at a deeper level and that is how we come to see each other as more similar than different so i guess the point here is apart from helping us to detach ourselves from the external things and not identify too much i think it also helps us to develop more empathy more compassion and more love for another person when we start to sense this state of being in another person 
I've covered two points of how this way of conceptualizing the self is really helpful. Whenever we get in touch with this state of being, I think beautiful things tend to happen. And at an instance, when we are in a state of confusion, we're in a state of anger, we are in a state of fear, when we get in touch with this state of being in the present moment, suddenly, right, we are able to act in a way that is most aligned to who we essentially are. So before I go into my story, I just want to bring about a concept called ego. We have all heard of this word. And what do you define as ego? So ego in psychology is actually this part of the mind that mediates between the conscious and the unconscious and is usually responsible for reality testing and a sense of personal identity. So a person's sense of self, a person's sense of self-esteem or self-importance is actually equivalent to ego according to psychology. And ego can encompass so many things, right? And I'm still learning. But one thing I know about ego is it is an important part of human nature. And I've learned about this through a conversation I had with a friend. And he said that it was, indeed, it is very essential for our survival. And I think I would agree, right? Like when I mentioned, I think, to some extent, we have to define ourselves in a way that enhances our self-esteem or our self-importance or our significance in this world, right? We have to define who we are conceptually so as to maintain our ego. So ego do serve a very important function in a way that it gives us a sense of self and it helps us build relationships and, you know, form our sense of identity as well as group identity but i would think that you know ego becomes an issue when it becomes overpowering right and what do i mean by overpowering when someone attacks our mental positioning or ideology do we see it as they are attacking us because we are so over consumed by how we come to define ourselves and attach ourselves to and I would say that is when ego becomes unhealthy, when we completely identify with a certain thing that we attach ourselves to. So for instance, if I'm a person who really, really loves nature, okay, and if, let's say, and that's fine, I love nature, and I use that to define who I am, but if, let's say, I over-identify with it, meaning to say, you know, I come to see that, you know, nature is me and I'm nature and anyone who goes against nature is basically my enemy. And nature is just one example, but you can think why a lot of hatred and a lot of war, a lot of, you know, unpleasant things that take place is because people over-identify with a certain thing, right? And that separates them from other people. That causes hatred. That causes a lot of chaos, destruction. So I'm going to be sharing a recent encounter which I think had ultimately deepened my understanding of the term self and this was also how I come to actually start to reconceptualize the way I look at who I really am and perhaps also the inspiration and trigger behind this entire reconceptualization. So this is actually the highlight of what happened in May and I would say that this was one of my biggest milestones for me on this journey. 
you know, not just on the achievement level, but I think on a deeper level of self-discovery. So as some of you might know, I was recently asked and invited to participate in a public speaking event hosted by IMDA. It was an event in collaboration with TikTok. I was invited to become a speaker for one of the workshops that happened during one of the weekends of the event. So you have no idea how much fear I have within me, right? I mean, you can say that, hey, you know, Jeanette, you have already been through so much self-work with your social anxieties and all of that. You know, do you still fear? You know, you have hosted a few other mental health events, different talks, you know, you have been through so much self-work with your social anxieties and all of that. Do you still fear? The truth is, right, maybe I fear less than before. But I think our mind is usually our greatest enemy, right? That we constantly need to battle with. I still fear a lot. And I think I fear because I care about it a lot, right? And that is what I wanted to share, you know, is the entire internal process of how I perceive this whole thing to be a super important thing for me. It was how I perceive it, right? Another person might not see this as something that is very challenging or scary, but to me, I felt that it was a very, very intimidating thing. It was a nerve-wracking situation. But I then also realized that it's only during this kind of very challenging event, this event that, you know, instills certain kind of introspection. You know, I come to sense a deeper, you know, um, connectedness to myself. It's kind of this state where I'm given the opportunity to come in touch with myself more, right? I come to sense a deeper dimension more. So just to provide a bigger context, right? One day before the public speaking event, so basically I was doing this with a co-speaker, right? Both of us, we haven't really got the flow of our speech out. Like, you know, I'm really that kind of person that needs to have a mental script before any public speaking event or presentation, right? I rely on scripts my whole entire life like I've not ever for once stood and speak in front of you know a group of audiences without a mental script but I also felt that you know each time I give a presentation be it at school or at work you know I just felt that every time the actual presentation is just very different from how I would have done it if I was just in my bathroom speaking out loud to myself. Public speaking to me has never perceived by me as a strength because of how much I don't like how I feel after I deliver a speech or presentation. And it's not because I failed at every delivery. You know, in fact, people will tell me that, hey, I did well and good job and all of that. But it's just something within me that always feel like I'm not 100% myself. I'm not 100% authentic, you know. And I just didn't quite know why was that the case, right? Because I prepared, I speak word for word from the script and all of that, from my mental script. I, I, I don't hold a physical script. But I guess I just really never knew what was that that was missing. And I'm saying this on hindsight, of course, now that you know, I have a slight hypothesis of what is that thing that is missing, so back to that event that I was um, supposed to prepare for. My co-speaker is actually a very confident person and he told me, he said, 
at the moment tomorrow, even if you forget whatever that you're going to say, just speak from your heart. You know, you already have the substance inside you. So somehow what he said really gave me courage and I thought deep about it. And I also know that, you know, I can do it, right? But, and more so because the topic is something I feel so much for. It's about cyberbullying and uh, encouraging mental well-being among youths, right? It's basically what I've been talking about in all of my channels and platform. But I guess it's just the anxieties that was getting to me, right? So why is it that I feel the need to need a script when I can already do it objectively without one? And I was just filled with a lot of fear. I guess it's just how I define myself to be. I just kept telling myself that I'm a person who needs a script. You know, I'm a person who needs to prepare work for work because that was how I did it for the you know, whole of my entire life, right? I have these limiting beliefs. I have this, you know, mental constructions of how things should be because of how I was previously not taking into account you know the person I am now right so then you know I was just really filled with a lot of fear the night before the event because we haven't really run through the entire thing we only met and you know settled the flow of the entire presentation and the entire flow of the event very last minute, I thought that it was too late for me to even have a script, right? It was not possible. You know, we literally stayed up till like 2, 3 a.m. just to, you know, prepare what we were supposed to kind of cover briefly in each of the segments. And then we went back, I think, at around 3 a.m. and the event was like 11 a.m. the next day, 11.30 a.m. the next day. So it was just basically too late for me to have a script. But can you imagine how fearful I was? You know, I was already fearful to begin with. And then now without a fixed um, script, you know, I was extra fearful. And I know that at that point, I had to throw away all notions of myself that I'm someone who can't do without a script. I'm not a good speaker and I'm not good at public speaking. You know, public speaking wasn't my thing. And of course worries of negative evaluation which is a very big part of my social anxiety you know and all these thoughts were already coming up a few weeks prior to the event and of course the awareness of these thoughts were there and so the impact wasn't really getting to me but what I realized was you know this awareness is essentially the deeper self or rather should I say this awareness of my awareness of having all these thoughts is essentially getting in touch with my deeper self. And if I just allow myself to speak through my awareness and my consciousness at a given moment instead of using my brain and my mind, I think that is the secret to knowing what to say. As I'm speaking now as well, you know, in this podcast, I'm not looking at my script, right? Whatever that comes out now is just from my heart. It's connected to my inner being. And it feels different, you know, whenever I do this as opposed to reading from a script or, you know, coming up with a mental script prior to, you know, speaking. Because by speaking this way, it's the most, most authentic. It may not be the most perfect way. There might be more pauses. There might be more hiccups right but it's real and it's also when I feel like I'm the most connected to myself right and that is the feeling that I never had you know when I did all my presentations 
at work or at school, you know, after the presentation, I never felt like connected. Of course, there is already a flow and, you know, there are the big headings of what we should be talking about in each segment, but it's really, I don't even know where I got the courage from, but it's really not even having a mental script and just going there to share what I really feel about a certain topic, relying on my consciousness at the present moment and let whatever things that I feel at the core of who I am to come out. And I somehow think this was the greatest thing I have mastered during this whole entire opportunity. You know, apart from the fact that we receive really good feedback from the audiences and the team that organized this event, but I felt like this was one of the best, best speech that I had given my lifetime because I felt so connected with not just myself, but also with the audience at almost every moment of the delivery. It's really that kind of feeling where you're speaking to a very close best friend where you just speak out of your being because it just feels really safe and whatever that comes out is just so natural without much thought, right? And this is when people can actually feel your presence and they can feel your being inside them. Maybe their being can feel your being and that is what makes people feel connected which in the past, I didn't feel this connection or presence because my attention and my awareness was in my mind. I was constantly, you know, recalling what I'm supposed to say next. I'm constantly fixated on how the mental script looks like in my brain and trying to deliver it word for word out in a very perfect and organized manner. Even though there were more pauses, I may have spoke slower or faster at some areas, but they are all part of the inner state of awareness that is more intelligent than my mind, right? So I would say that it's that kind of acting out of just being connected with this inner self, which I felt was the greatest gift that I've come to receive throughout this whole entire journey of building of myself and putting in this self-work for myself because it feels like I can conquer anything. It's that kind of feeling. Of course, I don't feel that now, but at a point in time, it just feels like I can conquer anything if I am connected to this inner being state that I'm talking about. So it's like when we are actually thinking of a particular thing before we actually say it, you know, it steals us away from engaging with the present moment, right? And that means that whatever that comes out may not be the best of what it could have been. And I also start to see that it is through every life challenges, every life struggles that is being thrown at us that we can come to be even more in touch with this, you know, state of awareness and state of beingness that is within us. If your life is so smooth, no challenges, nothing wrong, why would you feel compelled to really search for a deeper self within you, right? It is only through challenges, you know, moderate stresses that you might feel that you might need to kind of go beyond your thought processes and perhaps, you know, find that presence to ground yourself, right? That was always there, actually, since we were born. It's just for us to kind of get in touch with it um, more often. And by acting on this, awareness in times of doubts in times of fear and uncertainty you know that we will act in a way that 
aligns most to our sense of self. You know, we will act out of less fear. And this presence that I talked about, right, is not just when we are in a situation where we need to perform or, you know, confront certain challenge. It's really more than that, right? Its application is basically in our everyday life. You know, when we talk to another person and when another person is talking to us, right, Sometimes, you know, they can be talking and, you know, we can be holding certain mental thought processes as they are speaking to us, right? And we are thinking what we should be saying. And we can realize that when we are thinking, we cannot really be present and we can't really listen to them, right? So when we respond to them, it just doesn't feel as authentic and right as compared to if we just allow ourselves to have the courage to let go of what is on our mind and just be present, just let whatever things that comes out from us comes out at that moment that when we are supposed to respond. And I admit that it is often harder to do, probably when we are talking to a higher authority, right? I mean, this is just based on my personal experience. I often feel that it's always difficult. You know, with my friends, it's probably easier to get into that mode. But for me, it is this you know, talking to the higher authority that is, you know, at the back of my mind when I talk to them, I always find myself thinking what I should be saying, you know, before they even complete their sentences, I really have a prepared response to react. And whenever I, you know, operate from that mode, I will feel that whatever I say just doesn't come out to be as authentic, right? And of course, this cannot be sensed by the other person receiving it, but only I myself know it, right? Because I can feel whether it's aligned with my inner being. And when you find this presence in different aspects of your life, I've only come to name a few, but there are so many, many different moments. Sometimes it's just with yourself. Sometimes it can be with others. It can be with you and a group of audience, right? You know, this is beautiful. And I think I'm really only coming to uncover the tip of this entire big iceberg. I think the point is I just wanted to document this um, beautiful milestone of mine that I found myself again and maybe when I say I found myself in the past it is really through certain conceptualization or having my thoughts you know make sense of certain events that occurred and kind of just attaching that to my self-identity but this time I think it adds a deeper layer right so the more I find myself in this state of presence I think this state of beingness in me just gets bigger and I think not sure about this, but I think, in fact, you know, that labels that I attach to my self-identity actually get smaller. Maybe it doesn't really get smaller, like it's still there, but I just come to put less emphasis on it, if that makes sense. That means also coming to form a different relationship with how I engage with every present moment. It's really just allowing myself to be in spaces without thoughts more often, unless absolutely necessary right um there are a few ways to do this for me i like to go on walks and when i'm walking i try to channel my attention um to the nature i look at the tree you know the spaces between the trees you know just feeling the wind on my skin just engaging in activities that can engage my five senses more and engage in more thoughtless awareness. And I witness beautiful things coming out from this presence. And therefore, I encourage myself and all of us to start looking for a deeper dimension within us. And this doesn't come from being in touch with our thoughts. 
you know, it's just by feeling and sensing maybe between the spaces that you observe as you speak, your surroundings, the spaces between our thoughts, right? And there's always a certain sense of stillness when we come to be aware of these awareness. And that is when I feel like we can act out of who we essentially are. And not only that, right, you know, more practically, I think having a fluid identity and not coming up with a full narrative of what our life is and what our identity is may make one more adaptive to changes, right? Seeing your identity is um, constantly changing on the outside and not defined by an absolute story, I think it's kind of helpful for our mental and emotional well-being as well. So according to an author and psychoanalyst, Alan Willis, arriving at a firm sense of identity is now more difficult than ever. Not only one must contend with an ever-expanding number of life roles and paths, but the world is perpetually changing at a breathtaking clip. And because the world is changing so rapidly, Willis suggests that maintaining a fluid sense of self may have adaptive advantages. So not only, you know, it kind of makes you feel more grounded in the present moment, but having a fluid sense of identity and know that it's constantly changing and not having a narrative of what your life is or what your identity should be may be more beneficial for our mental health and well-being. And I come to see that, you know, part of my personal growth, I think it's probably releasing this need of defining my identity so much and the reason why i think i have come to a breakthrough point is because i come to see the practical method of doing so right because i all along know that okay having a fluid sense of identity is important but how do i do that right what is the psychology behind it what is the mechanisms behind it how do i do that right and how i do that is maybe shifting from putting all kinds of narrative behind my identity and perhaps re-meeting myself at every waking moment by recognizing the presence, the deeper dimension within me. And essentially, I felt that, you know, cultivating mindfulness and cultivating the awareness of what is around us and within us without judgment, because that is what mindfulness practice is all about, really, really helps me to get in touch with this dimension of my inner self. And with this, episode 35, I would like to call an end to the mindfulness series. And I think overall, I am really, really pretty amazed at this journey that mindfulness practice had took me, right? When I only knew mindfulness as a concept, I think that was in episode 16, I only knew it was able to be fully present and aware of where we are, what we are doing, not engaging too much in the past, not worrying about things that is about to happen. And I definitely have a very different relationship of what it means to be with the present moment and how it is really a way of life and a way of connecting with other people. It definitely kind of made me a lot less reactive. Um, I felt the biggest, biggest takeaway is when I'm confronted with a stressful situation or when I'm confronted with a challenge. I think there's more presence power within me that I can actually cultivate and use. And I would say that this 
presence needs to be built up, right? When times are not stressful or not challenging. So that when times are stressful and when you actually need this um, awareness and this connection to your deeper self, you are able to then, you know, perform it, right? Because if it's not being cultivated in your day-to-day, then when you're met with a stressful situation, I think we will go into very unconscious and reactive states you know each time when we do that we can catch ourselves doing that and tell ourselves that you know okay we are aware of this you know reactivity and then there is you know that second level of also realizing that oh we have been in a state of reactivity i think that also kind of helps us build up our mindfulness muscle and it's a constant journey of just building up that muscle and finding myself in that awareness of the present moment. And that is actually who I really am innately. And thanks so much again for being on this journey with me. I hope that there's something that you can take away from, from my long-windedness every single time. And I really, really, really appreciate your support. And if you really found that it's helpful in any way, any of my episodes in this series, please do share it with a friend, tag me. Um, leave a rating or a comment. And again, Chew by Net is going to take some time to chill out now. And I look forward to a new beginning with you very soon. Thanks for chilling in. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to subscribe. You can also connect with me on Instagram at Chill by Net on my website, chillbynet.com to join the conversation and assess our show notes. Have a great day and we'll chill again very soon.